Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today let the word go forth fool me once are you fired up i'm not a crook are you ready to go shame on shame on you it's abe lincoln's top hat hosted by ben kissel fool me can't get fooled again Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here, hanging out with Travis Irvine. Hello, Ben. And Fernando. Hola. What's up, guys? How you doing? We're doing great, Ben. Well, don't speak for Fernando. Fernando, do not let Travis speak for you. How are you, Fernando? I'm going to go ahead and agree with Travis that I'm doing great. Well, oh. never mind. I take it back. A twist. Wow. Clarence Thomas. Scalia. <laughs> It's happening right here on the podcast. Wow. Clarence Thomas didn't speak for 30 years when Scalia was alive. That's right. He didn't have to. Scalia said it all. Isn't that nice? So, Fernando, you are no Mr. Thomas. Do not let Travis be your Scalia. You speak for yourself. I gave him finger guns. I told him it was good. Okay, finger guns. Supreme Court, that holds up. It's an audio (laughs) medium, so the audience didn't see it. But yes, now it all comes together. Today's episode is special because it's an evergreen episode, which means it'll last forever. We are going to talk about running for political office. What does it take and how can you do it? When it comes to running for office, only 2% of people will run for office at some point in their life. However, in encouraging news for the future, the majority of people running right now for office happen to be millennial. So younger people, I think they're seeing Mm -hmm. how corrupt and disgusting local government (laughs) and federal government is, and they say, let's do something about it. But oftentimes, in order to do something about it, you've got to retool it from within. That is only one approach, by the way. Of course, if you want to have a great impact on your society, many different ways to do it. You don't have to run for political office. You can be a community organizer. You can just be a good freaking neighbor. And you are also doing your part. But if you do want to run for political office at some point in your life, uh, hopefully today we can talk a little bit about some of the steps that Travis and I took. And hopefully you will do much, much better than I did when you run for office. And hopefully you can do slightly better than Travis did as well. Although Travis was able to get dang near 100,000 votes when you ran for governor in Ohio, of course, with the Libertarian Party. And I got 1.8% of Brooklyn support Woo. when I ran for Brooklyn Borough president. But really, the whole point of that initial run for me anyway, and you can speak for yourself, obviously, Travis, I wanted to learn the process. Right. And I'm a doer. Otherwise, I'm just not going to learn shit. I don't learn vicariously through others, which is probably why I made every mistake people told me not to. Because I was like, (laughs) what what happens if I do drive through that wall? Mr. Man telling me that it's going to (laughs) hurt? Yes, it will hurt just a little bit. Inevitably, it is painful. So I ran to learn how to run. And the main goal, of course, was to get on the ballot, which is what we were able to do with Travis Irvine as my campaign manager with the Reform Party. So, Travis, what was your main motivation for running for office the first time? Because I know this most recent governor run uh, was your third or fourth. That was the the third uh, time I ran was in 2018 for governor of Ohio. And I also got Ben Kissel numbers, Um, (laughs) 1.8%. But yes, in that case, it was 80,000 people. So damn near a stadium full of people. Um, But for me, it all started back uh, really during the college years. I mean, kind of like you, Ben, you were a political science major in Wisconsin. I was a politically active kid at Ohio University in Athens, Ohio, one of the only liberal counties uh, surrounded by red counties there in southeastern Ohio. Um, But that's really where I got interested. And like you, I kind of came along. It was like, you know what? I can get involved and I can donate and I can volunteer, but nothing really compares to running for office yourself and learning how it works. Learning how it works, learning about yourself, learning about others. And really through that process, you find out what your political beliefs truly are, which is why it's a little bit dangerous, Fernando, when we hear the celebrity culture being like, I think I'm going to go right to the presidency. Right. (laughs) As we've seen, it might not necessarily work out for the greater good if you don't have that experience and you don't have the thick skin that uh, develops 
over, uh, you know, a life in politics. You can't really shake many of these politicians at this point because they've been so battered and bruised. They've almost lost their soul. But Fernando, what do you think about that when it comes to getting involved on the local level and how important that is? I think it's super important. But before we go too far away, I want to talk a little bit about your thick skin thing that you just talked Ooh. about. Because, you know... Uh, Don't bring up my gout. <laughs> well, <laughs> when people run for office, usually, normally, you, you start at a lower level and you work your way up. So the mm. skeletons in your closet kind of get worked out. The kinks sure. get worked out. You, and when you, when you kind of skip that through celebrity means or through money, you don't work out those kinks. And that's the situation you talked about. I think right. it's important that... And, I mean, I think that what you're speaking about is vetting, right? Yeah. And, and, and Local you, elections are great for that. They're, they're great for that. And you also bring up a great point about fear. Everyone is... American politics are so disgusting. I'm not sure if they're going to change within our lifetime, but right now they are gnarly. On a federal <laughs> yeah. level, let's not forget 2016. I'm sure no one can forget. And I don't even really want to talk about that at all because it's such a um, polluted version of how good democracy can be. But the fact that we had Hillary Clinton calling Donald Trump a rapist and then Donald Trump was like, yeah, I'm going to bring all the women that your husband raped and put them in the front row. And then the American people are just like, are we really? This is, <laughs> yeah. this is our freaking federal election. This is our national election. Yeah absolutely uh, disheartening and I think saddening in a lot of ways. Mm, very. And of course, after 2016, we saw what happened there. That was another motivation for 2017 for us. We're yes. like, we got to figure out what the hell is going on here. And in order to do that again, as we mentioned, uh, you just have to run for office or, you know, finance a campaign or be a campaign manager or, you know, work in a campaign setting uh, so you can really kind of tangibly understand what are the ins and outs when it comes to running for even local offices, which is extremely complex. But fear is something that people really have. And I'm just going to tell you out there right now, if you're struggling with that, if, oh, I did this in eighth grade. There's a video of me saying something, <laughs> whatever it might be. Everyone's worse than you. Okay. Always remember that. <laughs> yeah. The, anyone who is running for political office is worse than you are. So don't beat yourself up over some small thing that you got super stoned and you think about. We all have those <laughs> things like, I can't believe I'm so embarrassed. I did that. Oh, what a moron. Everyone has those life experiences. Now, right. of course, if you commit a double murder, that's a whole nother story. I'm not talking about the right, most egregious right, of crimes right. here. I'm just talking about normal human regrets. Maybe you went through a divorce. A lot of people go through a divorce. That doesn't mean that you can't run for political office. Right. The, one of the only good things Dumpy Dumbfuck did show was that you can have a complex past <laughs> and still win. No, that's, again, uh, with the help of a lot of money, a complex past can be worked itself out. But don't be afraid of who you are and your past, because at the end of the day, if the message is good and your motivation is good to make the place a better place, not one of these nefarious, smug, corporate bought mm -hmm. politicians who literally lie to your face like Scott Walker in Wisconsin, talking about Foxconn and how great it's going to be. Meanwhile, it's a massive corporate tax cut for them and the people are footing the bill in Wisconsin. It's a bold faced lie. If your intentions are good, your motivations are good, your platform is good, people are willing to accept you're a human being. So I wanted to address that first off because I think that's the number one thing we hear when talking with people who want to run for office. They will say, but I'm scared. Right. And in a strange way, I take this with great solace as a matter of fact, everyone is up their own ass. <laughs> Nobody cares what you do. So, well, they're busy sniffing their own farts, which is what all of us do. I'm kind of doing it right now in a way, right? Oh, okay. <laughs> Don't worry about what others think of you. Just go out and do it. And when you present yourself to others, again, everyone has a clean slate when it comes to making mistakes. Unless, of course, they're massively egregious and criminal. That's a whole other thing. But you're a person. People live lives. And there's nothing worse than someone who has been... Um, created someone almost like someone mm -hmm. who's been created in a lab to run for political office right you know these people who are like perceived to be perfect those are the roey cones of the world who are going and passing anti-gay legislation well they get gaped by a numerous <laughs> by numerous <laughs> numerous men in the upper west side those are the people that have the skeletons those are the people who never got to live a full life and those are also the first people who are going to try to attack you or character assassinate you and i say my friend take a look at the man in the mirror 
because you are the exact problem and you people listening right now are the exact solution. So don't forget, get involved and don't worry that you're a human being who has history that all human beings have. I think everyone nowadays has a social media. Everyone sure. has a Twitter. So, I mean, just be conscious, you know, and I guess delete delete other stuff before sure. you before you or just stand by and say i was a stupid 14 year old kid yeah right. i posted yeah, yeah. that thing about lena dunham i don't know <laughs> who cares right well i'll just point out that my journey began in 2007 when i decided to run for mayor of my hometown and you're absolutely right ben i was nervous about the fact that i had just graduated from college did not have a real job was living with my parents you had dreadlocks had dreadlocks because i had been working in the bahamas for a year <laughs> after college you're so white it was uh, it was dreadlocks on a white person it's the only haircut that is offensive to all races so i <laughs> will continue to apologize for everyone and everything right. i did but nonetheless like you said my heart was good um, I was from Bexley. Everyone around town knew me because I had worked for the, the Parks and Recreation Department as, in high school, and I was a camp counselor, and I was just a, generally a good kid. So even when I ran uh, on this platform of saving my neighborhood's homes over some zoning issues, yep. um, I was very nervous, but I stepped up, and um, we actually, Ben, this is kind of how our story starts. I yep. made a documentary about it called American Mayor. It's available right now on Ooh. Vimeo, uh, or if you go to AmericanMayorMovie.com, it's right there with Ben's documentary, Hail Yourself America, as well as our friend Ed Larson's documentary, How America Killed My Mother. America's involved a lot in our documentary. You're almost noticing a theme there, Whoa. Ben. Um, well, let's, and we actually have a clip from American Mayor. And uh, let's play that now, because I think this will sort of give, this will shed some light on kind of how we met and sort of your process. Absolutely. Hi, my name is Travis Irvine, 24 years old. I don't have a job. I live with my parents and I'm running for mayor of my hometown. <laughs> He's got Part my of the master plan was to tear down all the houses on the block. Neighbors the were in an uproar. It was just a disregard of saying, well, we're gonna put door three and four here. Dome 4 was where my house was. Did you ever consider running for a uh, city council seat prior to mayor? People have mentioned that. Is this a joke? Are you really running for mayor? I met two of the other candidates. They're both very uh, mayoral. Is that a word you invented? Mayoral? Maybe I was going for mayoral. Mayor-ish. That's the one I was going for. Put your hands in the air if you think you are mayor. Make me mayor. Well, it's all in parts. And Get a haircut. Little sections yet. All cities running for mayor. Each of the candidates here brings a special trait, a special skill. Now, of all those seven things, I'm the only candidate who embodies all seven things. <laughs> <laughs> I got three flyers for the fundraiser. I gave him 700 flyers. I was busy with schoolwork. Attention, art students. Don't forget to vote today. I know you're angry. Door to door is probably the most important thing. We don't have the microphones, do we? Hi, I'm Bexley mayoral candidate Travis Irvine. You know, I'm one of the few candidates who's actually grown up here in Bexley. Votes are in. <laughs> Just one. That was a, a dismal failure. Dismal failure. Eight people are running for mayor in Bexley, including two who are still living with their parents. <laughs> there you go. For a second, I thought you were going to kiss the baby. I did not kiss the baby. I want to give that baby herpes. Mayor, what mayor, please? All right, very <laughs> oh, there good. There we go. Thank you so much for playing that clip. You had to run, and you did run, mm -hmm. and you enlisted the help of friends. Maybe we can just start with that. How do you get a yard sign? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's... Because the yard sign is classic, and Travis has a great one, Irvine, uh, for Ohio there. there's You got to get a yard sign. Well, especially in Ohio, I remember for your campaign is a little different. It's more about window signs because nobody yes. has yards in Brooklyn. But right. yeah, if you run in Ohio, especially small town Ohio, or really small town anywhere, yard signs are so huge to getting your name out there. So what's what's the process? Do you call up one eight hundred yard signs? I'm looking to get a yard sign. How much? And of course, you know, d discuss cost in that as well because when we ran in Brooklyn, 
Our budget was, we raised $10,000 yes. and that was it. Eric Adams, the man who is now mayor of New York City. Or who will be, possibly. He most likely will be. Yeah. Um, of course, it being a Democratic uh, city, he is running against Curtis Lee as a Republican. Who knows? You're right. I should not speak out of turn. You never know what happens. Curtis is a grassroots guy and um, it's going to be very interesting. Nonetheless, he has the Democratic nomination uh, to be the next mayor uh, in New York City. He raised around 2.8 million. Yes. So he got 98% some of the vote <laughs> sure. and it cost him a shitload of money to do so. So we had a budget of 10,000 and within that budget, I liked it because it was workable and we could, because again, we're just trying to figure out what the hell this process is. Right. So your initial budget, when you ran for mayor, what were you able to raise? Uh, for the mayor campaign, I think we raised anywhere between twelve hundred and fifteen hundred dollars tops. So very minimal. Very so then minimal. you have to bring in yard signs. Yes. So how did you even finance those? Yard signs are more or less three dollars a pop for the cheapest. Okay. Um, and even the you know, two thousand seven money, it might have been a little bit cheaper, but that's generally what you're going to have for if you order one hundred yard signs, and you usually got to do that, you know, in bulk in those numbers. Definitely. Um, it'll be anywhere between three to five dollars a pop on how many depending on how many you get and depending on how many colors you use which is why i always try to use white lettering on the, on a dark background i think for it's cheaper that way yeah for bk for bk we did black red and white but that's because yep. our um our printer uh, had no issues using more than one color in that <laughs> one so we nailed, yay, it. we nailed it so yeah it's a whole um you know and again you can watch american mayor at americanmayormovie.com um well, now, and, and check out kind of the the process of getting the signature because every city right. across America is different. You're basically going to want, if you're out there listening thinking, you know what, I'm going to run for town council or city council or even county commissioner. You got to go to your county board of elections and they're the ones, mm -hmm. they're literally people there whose job it is to explain to you how you can get on the ballot and what that process entails. And it usually, you know, depending on the state, obviously New York state was uh, even wackier than Ohio. Um, but usually it just involves uh, getting some signatures and right. uh, and doing a filing fee. Right. Um, and that's really how it, it all breaks down. So I know when we ran in Brooklyn, we took, uh, what was there, like three two-hour seminars or some. We just we had to go we do that. We had to go sit through And then some. we immediately had to go get some beers after that because that was like, <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. I'm going to die. But another thing that they tell you is like, if you mess this up, you go to jail. You go to jail. So you do have to be very right. careful vigilant. when right. it comes yes. to campaign finance. We talk about campaign finance reform. We talk about campaign finance corruption. Uh, oftentimes, you can run for political office. Anything that you make during that campaign can then be used for future campaigns. That's why these people hoard money yeah. um, because they can continue to spend money, whatever they have, right. for different kind of campaigns. But when it comes to understanding the unique rules of campaign finance. Yes. That was one of those where you're like, okay, it is serious. Mm -hmm. If you do mess this up, there could be some serious ramifications. We actually know somebody who ran for office in Manhattan and my God, her life turned into a waking nightmare because she got uh, $50,000 from some random person. Right. And then that person was like, I don't know how she got that money. And oh, then no. everyone's like, how did you get this money? And then uh, the whole thing was a nightmare because right. they do come after you. So what were some of the rules that we ran into that we had to follow? I'm trying to recall a little bit. I remember, obviously, there are audits constantly. Uh, they are constantly like, where's the money, Lebowski? Mm -hmm, right. They're always asking you to uh, to uh, send in receipts and maybe go on about that. Yeah. How much have you raised and how much have you spent? Right. Who did the money come from and how did you spend it? That's so when standard for any campaign. Yes, that's universal. So yeah. when you receive money, what information should you have from the person? And of course, many places, and this might be universal as well, have uh, campaign um, limits where right. you can only donate so much. Yes. Yeah, so um, no matter if you're in Ohio or New York or any other state, generally how it works is once you get those signatures and you have your filing fee and you actually get yourself on the ballot, that essentially gives you a committee and then you need to appoint certain people, right? So for the BK for BK campaign, we had our treasurer, which I believe was myself. Yep. And then you have a deputy treasurer, which was our roommate, Mike. Mike and then Epps. we had our candidate, which was Ben. And those that was our three core people who we knew would be available to sign stuff or 
answer mail. And we only had one issue with Mike who accidentally used our company campaign card, card. Cam- campaign card at, at a bar. bar. Ooh. And, Ooh. Then, and then Very Travis called me like, what's this tab for $40? Yes. Like, oh, no. Oh, no. They're going to get us. Luckily, we were such small fish. They did not care. Um, oh, but and of course, we paid it back. That was yeah, just a, yeah, we a drunken mistake it. by a roommate. Absolutely. Um, and and But, you know, that is essentially how it works is you, you got your folks, your trusted friends or treasurer or campaign committee chair. Uh, there's different terms for different states. But essentially what it comes down to is the the core people responsible for your campaign need to open up a bank account mm-hmm. and link that bank account essentially to the Board of Elections so they know how much money you're bringing in and everything. Like Fernando, that. go on. So what I'm asking just, you know, as a listener, what is the point of this? So is the point so that we know that uh, Putin didn't give you money so you could run in New York or that the we- it isn't all weed you know, money? Economics, are, <laughs> yeah. economics are one of the rare things that can truly expose the corruption of a candidate. Yeah, it's really just about transparency. It's about transparency. And one of the things that I'm reminded of now, we actually had to go to TD Bank mm-hmm. to open up our checking account. And no other bank would touch us yes. because it's not a nonprofit. It's political. And mm. many banks have a rule where they don't open up bank accounts for anything political. Yes. So the TD Bank that we finally got opened, that was a whole nother process. Yeah. So that probably took about 90 days, I felt like, from the beginning to the end of us finally Finding, being able to open it up, get our debit cards so we could actually you know, um, have a fully functioning campaign. So just so you know that. Uh, and again, this is this might just be a New York thing, but I wouldn't be surprised if this is a policy that many of these big banks put in place to stop local people from running for office. Oh, there are right. There are hurdles that you have to get over, but again, you can get over them. It's just about patience, time, filling out some paperwork, doing all the worst things in the history of the world that you have to do in order to get to the fun stuff, which is really shaking hands and talking. Yeah, right. And and of course, TD Bank, that was mainly a New York City thing. Uh, okay. I, you know, New York City, the fact that we were even able to run for office in New York City, I always say, like, even that's a victory. It was much less work in Ohio. There's much less auditing. Okay. It's more filing every few months. New York was like you were saying, it's every few weeks. I had to every fill out few weeks. paperwork. And the emails are like, we know you did it. We're yeah, the bodies. And you're like, like, why are you why, yelling at why us are you right yelling now? At me right now? <laughs> Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the true accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. Anyway, well, let's show it. Let's play the trailer for Hail Yourself, America. This kind of gives an overall synopsis for this movie. Again, this is the... uh, Travis and Ben campaign of 2017. Let's play the sound here. I'm Ben Kissel and I'm running for Brooklyn Borough President. I didn't know (laughs) Brooklyn had a borough president. At the very beginning, honestly, I was like, that's a nice idea. Thank you, Marcus. No one runs for office. We're going to have the same corrupt politicians over and over again. They show Trump. We would love to have Ben as our party's candidate. The guy's from Wisconsin. We're the most corrupt city in America. Knock yourself out. (laughs) You do get the feeling they set me up to fail. (laughs) You really want to change shit. You can't just sit and tweet. Both the Democrats and Republicans looked at us like, yeah, you're not going to do that. What they're trying to do, it's abhorrent. I just want to show people they can get on the ballot and have their voice be heard. I would have destroyed your campaign um, to stop it if I had to. Thank you. Thank you, Henry. <laughs> Very you nice. Go. Also, keep in mind, I was running for political office as last podcast on the left was really starting to do well. And we were constantly pitching and we were working on a book. And there was a yeah. lot. Hey, I caused a little bit of stress amongst the friends. <laughs> but you know what? That's what you get for being friends with me. That's what you get. And if I could just connect some dots. So American Mayor, um, I was screening that at a place called The Creek in the Cave. Yes. uh, Where we all kind of met and started doing these podcasts. I was screening it in the backyard. 
my mayor run was in 2007, but we finished the movie in 2010 and we took it to Cannes Film Festival at a thing they called the Short Film Corner, which really any filmmaker could get in. Sounds like an insult. And you just had to show up. <laughs> um, but there we were in our little Go short, short, short film, film corner. corner and uh, we felt really good. We had a great screening. We got a distribution deal out of it. And so I remember showing this movie in the backyard of the creek and there was very tall Ben Kissel, who I think we'd interacted briefly yeah. up until that point, but you were uh, so nice and supportive. I just remember you being like, this is awesome. This of is so course. awesome. So, you know, cut to a few years later when we actually became roommates, became better friends. And of course you had the idea of running for office in New York and we came up with BK for BK. And uh, that goes back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier when it comes to fear. When you do propose the idea that you would like to run for office, you'll be amazed other than Henry Zabrowski. (laughs) We all have a friend that's like Henry Zabrowski. Uh, You'll be amazed, though, how supportive people are. They really are because people will be like, oh, no shit. You're doing this. And again, whether you win, lose, or draw, you doing it is going to encourage somebody else to do it. Yes. And then, you know, hopefully at some point, you're friends with the mayor or you are the mayor. (laughs) Right. Well, in fact, I remember when we first started, Ben was going to run for mayor of New York city. That was the idea that you're tall, Bill de Blasio is tall. You're going to get him. Yeah. And then when we looked looked into it, it was so impossible. It was so insane to run in all five boroughs um, for mayor. So we decided to downscale it a bit. And we were thinking actually about city council, but then we were actually nervous that Ben would just outright win. And it was like, that'd be too (laughs) easy. Can't have that. So we found this weird, little middle ground and actually um, this next clip from uh, Hail Yourself America is kind of focuses on that it's the borough presidents this weird thing that used to be actually mm-hmm. really meaningful in yes. New York politics because you had the five boroughs and they weren't all one city yet so each borough president they all kind of met at the at the five corners saloon or something like Some that place, like, a lot of steak a lot and of farts steak and, and cigars farts and beers. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it used to be very important and then throughout the years gradually the borough president became less and less meaningful well of course Marty Markowitz made it a much more of a cheerleader position right. and much more like hey come out check out Brooklyn you know uh, check out all the great things that Brooklyn has. And Brooklyn is a is a borough that is 15 countries. Right. I mean, it's amazing. Yes. It's got the largest Hasidic community in the world outside of Israel. It's got a massive Haitian community. I mean, it's just obviously Hispanic and black and white. And everyone uh, is in Brooklyn. And that's what made running in that borough so unbelievably interesting. Yeah. Because you get off five different stops, you know, five stops later off the F train, and you're in a whole nother country. Yes. And it's really freaking cool. Mm. But it also reminds you that to run in a place like Brooklyn, it is it's difficult, as we learned with the Yang campaign, to marry mm-hmm. a lot of the different ideas yeah. that a lot of these different groups have yeah. and try to coalesce a coalition. Yes. Yeah. So let's go ahead and play this clip from Hail Yourself America that showcases why we chose the elusive Brooklyn Borough President Office. All right. Also, a reminder that you might not even know all the things that are elected officials in your local municipality. So look. Like, so look them up. You never know. Yep. Who here is pumped to see Mr. Ben Kissel? Boo. Oh, Take lovely. Thank coat. you guys so much. We've got uh, some great speakers, some great music. But uh, to kick it off, uh, we got to bring up this guy. You've heard him on the last podcast on the left. You've heard him on Abe Lincoln's Top Ad. You've seen him on Fox News. He's a tall man for the small man. The next president of the borough of Brooklyn, Mr. Ben Kissel. Oh, look at that. You're so young. When we first started talking about it, this is I Brooke, thought it was Brooke just an idea. <laughs> I wasn't aware until you were like, no, I'm serious about this. This is something I want to do. At the very beginning, honestly, I was like, that's a nice idea. Like that, like that is a that's a nice idea. That that'd be cool if that <laughs> Marcus happened. Marcus is the decided to run. I thought it was a massive Thank you, Henry. <laughs> Henry. I thought it was going to destroy everything we've been working on for many, many years. <laughs> and there's been many, many tall, wonderful leaders: Abraham Lincoln, Magic Johnson. So many people who have done wonderful things for our country. Um, and Ben Kissel, Benjamin Grant Kissel. <laughs> could possibly be one of Thank them. you, Henry. So one of the reasons that we wanted to do Brooklyn Borough President um, was because BK for BK just rolled right off the tongue. And that was like kind of some of the simplistic thinking that went into it. It's like, eh, BK for BK. That works on a t-shirt. But when I say BK, you say BK, BK. Oh, Eddie Larson. BK. When I say BK, you say BK, BK. BK. When I say maybe too big, you say maybe too big, maybe too big. Very nice. He's maybe too big. Thank you, Ed. I didn't know that Brooklyn had a borough president. 
much less that he would want to be that. So what does the Brooklyn Borough President do? It's really more of an advocate position. The budget the office has wouldn't make you think that it's just an advocate position because they take in a lot of money. But that's really million million. They're supposed to be a cheerleader for the borough. It was a wake-up call to some Sarah people about Lyons, the powers that that office author. actually has. I think one of our people best tend volunteers. to think about yeah. the big races like president or senate and things like that, and those are obviously important, but all politics is local. And it's almost as if they don't want us running, uh, which is amazing, which is exactly why we are running for Brooklyn Borough President. As far as I'm concerned, uh, judging by this amazing crowd, we've already won. Uh, hail yourselves, everyone. Thank you so much for coming out. All right, a little clip that brought us all the way back. Man, it's nice to have friends, isn't it? <laughs> Everyone was so supportive. <laughs> they really were supportive. Even Henry, as he was uh, just absolutely livid, was forced to be supportive <laughs> right. because that's the kind of friendship that we have. Like the end of the movie, The Thing, double shotguns, who is The Thing? <laughs> right. I mean, and that was, of course, a lot of those clips were pulled from um, our uh, BK for BK kickoff. It was a birthday bash for Ben. Yeah. This was about four years ago, actually, almost to the day. Well, let's talk a little bit about events planning so we did a thing called the zombie crawl with the reform party curtis was there he was unbelievably sweet trauma trauma was there were the sponsors of the whole thing um i had a chance to uh speak as if i was a politician speaking to the zombie class at one point (laughs) i said i want what everyone wants in our local leaders Brains. Brains. And everyone would cheer. Brains. Brains. Yes, indeed. And then talk about legalization of marijuana. So then there you'll be hungry and there'll be more brains, <laughs> more to, brains eat, to eat and yeah. so on and so forth. But event planning is really an area that you don't think about very often when it comes to running for office. So let's talk a little bit about that. What did that process look like for us? Um, the initial campaign kickoff, obviously we got our campaign signs. We had some big signs up. We went to a place called Union Pool. Mm-hmm. They had a little back room area. We had a small relationship uh, previously because Eddie and I had had booked a show back there in the past, and they were gracious enough to give us the room. Now, that being said, our initial place that we were going to have a launch party at was a place called Skinny Dennis, my right. favorite bar in Williamsburg. That's right. And once they found out it was political, they kiboshed it. They kiboshed so it. So I was on the phone with the booker. I was like, what the fuck, bro? What? They said, you, can no, you can't speak and no microphones were allowed. That's right. And I was like, what are you doing, dude? This is a campaign rally. He's like, well, I'm sorry. Again, we didn't know it was political. I was like, I brought 50 fucking people to this place that had no one in it. Yeah, and we had like two bands booked. We We had had two bands. We had the Cowmen. The bands didn't end up performing, but there was no speeches being allowed. So we had to think quickly and book Union Pool. So just be aware that, again, when it comes to politics. Local politics. Local politics. And this is because media because of the disgusting national political conversation that we have. Mm-hmm. Initially, if you're a bar owner, I also understand you'd be like, oh, you're going to have an alt-right Proud Boy event over here? <laughs> like, what do you mean a political rally? Right. That can mean a lot of different, different things. things. And it's tough when you're like, no, we're just trying to defend the L train. Um, we were really <laughs> kind of thinking more about housing and parking. Um, no no, no desire to go on an anti-trans rant. Right. Um, don't really think that's affecting the lives of working class people. It seems like it's a kind of an issue of division. Um, but you can't explain that to them because, again, once uh, people hear the term politics or political event, they're going to uh, it, there's going to be a chilling effect. And again, I blame a lot of media for that. So we had to go to Union Pool, which turned out to be a great venue. They were very gracious. They allowed us to speak. My mother was there. Yes, mm. and your brother. And my brother. It was also the event. And again, this is why politics, it is a contact game. We had my friend Kat Timp speaking uh, at this first event. And this made news. Uh, it made national headlines. Some jackass went in and dumped a bunch of water on her head. I think they thought she was Ann Coulter. Yeah. <laughs> I don't something. know because Kat... You know, whatever you think about Fox News, and God knows we watch it, and I'm just like, why would they have that opinion? <laughs> How do you come up with that opinion? But there are always going to be people who are going to be agitated. Yes. And so you do have to prepare for that as well. Now, obviously, this had nothing really to do with me. It was more of a personal situation uh, with Miss Timp. But uh, just be aware when you're scouting for locations and stuff like that, you might get a little bit of pushback and don't stop. And especially if some, for all intents and purposes, was a heckler uh, at that event, um, when people like that show up, and again, if you know your policies are right and you feel like this is going to lead to a greater outcome for society, 
keep on pushing forward. Absolutely. Yes. And in fact, Ben, that's a great way to highlight um, not just, you know, getting pushed around from venue to venue. At that point in our campaign, we weren't even officially on the ballot yet. Not yet. Right. So this is actually is a, a great segue into the next biggest part of running for office is how are you going to get on the ballot? Like Ben said, politics is very binary. Yes. Uh, very ugly. Everyone seems to go Republican or Democrat. If that's what you'd like to do in your hometown, you know, most local races are nonpartisan. Yes. New York City obviously is much bigger um, and it's got a very complex political structure I will get into in a second. But, yes. you know, obviously one of the, the things people can do is if you're running for local office, it's a nonpartisan race, you can probably just, again, get your signatures, get your committee, get yes. your bank account and hit the ground running. And, you know, I really wish we would just get rid of the R and the D and just show me the top five policies. Sure. Right. Like every single ballot should just have the name, top five policies. Because, you know, in New York, if you want to win, for all intents and purposes, you have to be a Democrat. Yes. In Alabama, if you want to mm -hmm. win, you know, the right. inverse is true. Uh, because, of course, everyone talks about the out group. So in, in New York, they shit all over the Republicans and vice versa in, uh, in Alabama. So you have to understand that uh, what kind of campaign do you want to run? Yeah. So you might have to go, if you are more of a left-leaning person, go and be a Democrat, even if you sure. maybe are libertarian left. You might have to just eat it and right. take that knee. You might have to do that. But for us, as a message campaign, as a campaign that wanted to isolate certain issues, marijuana reform, criminal justice reform, L-Train reform, L-Train was being shut down, which is the only train that went from Brooklyn uh, to Manhattan. It would have caused absolute devastation if they shut it down totally. So we had a two-track plan. If you want to be a message campaign... Just getting on the ballot with a third party is completely valid. Yeah. Oh, yes. And and with New York specifically, they have this bizarre, crazy political structure where you can run with multiple political parties. You can yes. get the endorsement and it happens regularly. I mean, the Democrats and the working family parties often endorse, cross endorse each other. Sometimes you'll have a progressive get the working families party mm -hmm. endorsement like Cynthia Nixon did against Andrew Cuomo. But and then, of course, Andrew Cuomo, when you piss off the power that is Cuomo, I hate him so much. <laughs> Man deserves to be in prison for 16,000 murders. <laughs> with the nursing home scandal. But because the working family party went against the Democrats, the working family party no longer exists. Right. Because, they no longer get ballot access. Yeah. So in 2017, when we ran with, uh, with Ben's campaign, there were eight political parties that had ballot access. And you usually do that by reaching some arbitrary benchmark that the Republicans or Democrats, depending on who's in charge in the state, usually set. So in New York, a political party's candidate needs to get 50,000 votes minimum mm -hmm. for governor of New York. And that is... Um, and I believe that has recently changed. I believe they've upped that uh, number. But in 2017, we had the Republicans, the Democrats, the Conservative Party, the Independence Party, mm -hmm. the Working Families Party, the Green Party, the Reform Party, yeah. and then something else that escapes me, but it wasn't the Libertarian Party. So right. my the Libertarian Party was unable to get ballot access in New York. They did not have uh, enough votes in previous elections, so they did not have ballot access. Of course, you could get it, I believe, if you got 20,000 signatures. Yes, we, that was basically what we tried to do with the Brooklyn Libertarian Party. Because um, as a campaign manager, my strategy was, well, then we will run with the Libertarians, the Greens, and the Reforms, and no one will know what to think about us. Yes. Because honestly, those are three you know good names in terms of third parties. Absolutely. Um, and would be a respectable third party run if you get multiple endorsements from those parties well the libertarian party didn't have it together they were a little wacky they were a Fernando, little... have you ever been to a libertarian party meeting no have we... you ever been to autistic bingo <laughs> it's kind of like that it's kind of like that and um because of our signature problems we did not get the libertarian party endorsement for brooklyn borough president maybe it was a blessing in disguise the green party didn't get back to me in time with the emails <laughs> i had to like go to one of their events and be like we got a candidate it'd be really great to have the green party endorsement they're like we're in but we should have done it yesterday and i was like well great right so our last and final choice which actually this next clip kind of um starts to highlight is how we got involved with the reform party now ben you and i both because we're third party sympathizers yes, certainly over ways. the years um, the reform party how did we first get tuned into those guys it was it was well, your radio connections it right? was my radio connections Curtis Lee well, well obviously he performed the uh, the noon drive time show and WABC so I'd known Curtis I'd interviewed him a little bit and I um, 
spoke with him about my desire to do this. Now, Curtis is, again, um, all major labels aside, Curtis is a disruptor. That's what he did with the mm-hmm. Guardian Angels. He's a disruptor. He angered Democrats and Republicans. He angered a lot of people uh, because he addressed a lot of the issues happening in the city that were political third rails uh, that he that he said, screw it, I'm going to talk to the people. And that's why when you walk around with Curtis, he is like all walks of life are like, Curtis. And he's like, hello. It's really quite unique and very interesting. He's a total New York character. So it was just a relationship there that kind of grew and then into what it became with the Reform Party. And of course, the reason that we fell in love with the Reform Party was that they wanted to disrupt the Republican Party. Yeah. Because the Reform Party had been a rubber stamp for the Republican Party. And so for them to put more of a left-leaning person in there was like, fuck you, Republicans, which is why we had a massive primary that we were able to win where the primary was against Republicans who wanted to uh, take back the Reform Party platform. That's a great segue into these clips. Let's hear these hot clips. So we found this party that had ballot access and they were the Reform Party. Now the Reform Party is very interesting. For a long time they were more of just sort of a uh, glorified Republican Party, but they wanted to change away from that. So I said, okay, I can help be an agent of change, obviously coming more from the left. So I meet informally with Ben uh, This is Frank Morano. Yes. Remarkably the- impressed with him. Just remarkably party impressed. Sh- He'd chair. already met with our chairperson, Curtis Sliwa. Curtis was similarly impressed. Well, when I first met Ben Kissel, I said, oh, tall boy. <laughs> Thank you. You know, I said, like, yeah, man, it's like 99-cent beer that you get right out of the freezer Very here. Nice. I think Ben understood. I'm not only running to make a point, but I'm also running. When we talk about creating social change, Curtis Sliwa is a great example. Obviously, in the 80s, New York City was not what it is now. Times Square was not Disneyland. Brooklyn was real tough Brooklyn. Curtis Lee was just working at a McDonald's, saw the crime happening, managed to get a group together. They called themselves the Guardian Angels. And you'll notice when you walk around with Curtis Lee all over New York, people come up to him, shake his hand, and thank him. Because at the time, the Guardian Angels were essential to the safety and security of this city. So we met with Curtis and, uh, and Frank. And that felt like a nice fit because, again, the Brooklyn Borough President position is an advocate position. It's really more of an entertainer's position. Ben fit better into the Reform Party, and I know that his concerns and his priorities were being upheld a little bit more by the Reform Party. So because the Reform Party chose to go with more left-leaning candidate for Brooklyn Borough President, like myself, there was a Republican challenge. Obviously, again, the Reform Party used to just be a rubber stamp for the Republicans, and they wanted to move away. Ben was not a member of the Reform Party at the time of his candidacy. He subsequently became a member, but we backed him. The Republicans were behind an effort to do an opportunity to ballot petition, or OTB, which would create a write-in primary. We don't have any problem with primaries. We actually like primaries. We think it's democratic with a small d, and it's a nice thing to give voters a little bit of extra choice. And the OTB, opportunity to ballot, and having a real primary in which independents could vote was the best thing we ever did. We were challenged from Buffalo to Brooklyn, right there with Ben Cashel. So because of that, the primary election became between me and a Republican write-in candidate. So this was not gonna be easy. I also want to address a fantastic clip there. It's bringing me back. (laughs) Um, And Fernando, I want you to pipe in here too. People oftentimes, I don't think, understand the reason why third parties need to exist. Third parties are there to represent and to have conversations that are not currently being had on the national level. You look at someone like Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders registered independent. The fact he came on the scene so hard talking about basically a UBI, discussing these kinds of things, role of government. What, well, you know, how do we help out the middle class? Um, How do we have so much wealth flowing up as opposed to trickling down as we were promised? That conversation would not have been had, had Bernie Sanders not thrown his name into the ring, of course, as an independent, much like I had to become a member of the Reform Party, naturally, uh, of course, Bernie uh, becoming an official Democrat, I believe, when he was running, and perhaps now he's back to independent. I'm not certainly, uh, I'm not quite sure, but when it comes to the need for third parties, they are so often scapegoated, and they're scapegoated because the powers that be don't want to have conversations that are actually grassroots-based and actually reflect the pain that is happening in society all around them. We have massive misconceptions from all sides. So you have Republicans who are still pissed off at Ross Perot. Sure. Can I finish? 
Can I finish? Can, can I, I finish? <laughs> Sir, that's your seventh plate of Jello at an all-you-can-eat buffet. Can wow. I finish? Can that's, I finish? That's a Ross Perot impression that I've been wanting to tease up Travis for a long time. This is <laughs> Ross Perot. To, we just stood around old, the house at this point. <laughs> this is Ross Perot at an old country buffet. Can I finish? Can I finish? You get it. Fantastic. <laughs> Good humor. Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. Ross Perot was blamed by the Republicans for the loss of H.W. Uh, of H.W. Now, H.W. ran a piss poor campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, the rhetoric was all wrong. No new taxes. Well, it turns out he kind of raised a couple of taxes. Mm-hmm. A lot of Republicans blame Perot. It's not true, because if you look at the two states that Perot did best in Texas and Florida, Bush won both of them. Yeah. It looks like if you look at the exit data from that Perot split about equally across both sides. Yes. So the idea of a third party spoiler is a lie. It's a concept created by the powerful machines in order to dissuade people from running in a third party platform because they truly Ross Perot got 19 percent of the freaking vote. Yeah. The popular vote. And if you want to see how corrupt uh, American politics are, zero electoral college votes zero <sighs> which is why i think we need uh, proportional representation when it comes to electoral college votes it should go the way that the vote went sure it should reflect the vote that's what i think you also have a situation in 2016 where people on the left were super pissed with the green party yes mm-hmm. at the end of the Even day in 2000 with ralph nader they blame with ralph nader at the end of the day it is not the politicians fault if you support them so with like Jill Stein, if if what she was saying was really getting your goat and you can't handle Hillary and you can't handle Donald, I voted for Gary Johnson in 2016 because I couldn't handle either of those people. And I truly think Gary would have been better. Aleppo. What is Aleppo? <laughs> Gary was very stoned as well. I'm high. I, don't, I know. I mean, I don't even know what Aleppo is. But you're and not I know, running for no, president. No, but I know what they're talking. The thing yeah. is that uh, I have to stop you here. <laughs> A president doesn't know the answer to every single thing. Sure. He hires people around him that are experts and know yes. the answer. So I. That's I, why we don't live in an autocracy. Exactly. Which I'm yeah. very fond of. You see that? Not I, living in one. You know, he just answered wrong. But the answer to that should have been like, you know what? I don't know, but I'm going to hire an expert for it. I poor, got my guy. He also rolls my joints and he's going to be my foreign policy <laughs> expert. Yeah. Poor Gary was just caught off guard at 730 in the morning by Michael Barnacle with that Barnacle. question. If my, Barnacle had literally said, how do you feel about Syria? Right. Gary would have gotten it. But instead he said Aleppo and Gary's over there like dog food. Is he talking about dog food? I think he really and, uh, may um, have been. He may have because been. Mike, and we Mike, don't know. All of those schlubs on uh, any of those early the, the Morning Joe crew, all of those you know neocons all of the like fuck mike barnacle right anyway thank you yeah when it comes to blaming jill stein or when it comes to blaming gary johnson when it comes to blaming ross perot when it comes to blaming any third party candidate it is up to you as a candidate to get the vote so it's not jill stein's fault that Mm -mm. she got a couple hundred thousand votes or thousands of votes maybe it did sway the election or maybe those people wouldn't have voted at all. Right. Or maybe it's happens. up to the Hillary campaign to go and talk to the voters. You look why she lost Pennsylvania. Yep. She didn't go to any place other than Pittsburgh and uh, uh, Philly. Yep. You got to go to the places. That's right. That's why Joe, his campaign, much more intelligent, went to the counties that mattered, realized that voters are not just the fashionable, cool people. Voters are just right. working class folks and all they want much like Roman Reigns in the WWE. All they want is for people to acknowledge them. They don't have to agree with 100% of what you say. They just want you to acknowledge them and to understand uh, where they're coming from. And all that requires is FaceTime. So I hate the scapegoating of third parties when it comes to political campaigns that are funded by multi-multi-millionaires, billionaires who make millions and millions and millions of dollars, scapegoating a, a third party candidate for your loss it's just bullshit. It's it's huge bullshit. And also, let's take into consideration the historical 
importance of third political parties throughout the centuries. The Whigs. You're, you're absolutely right. Well, the Whigs, the Whigs were one of the big two parties, but out of that came the abolitionists. Didn't the, the Free Soil Party mm. was the first party that started hinting at abolishing slavery, and then that slowly grew as the Whigs fell apart the into the Republican Party, party that uh, Abraham Lincoln, the candidate in 1860, won in a four-way, very scattered a race. You could even say it started a civil war because uh, <laughs> it did. And then, oh, you know, down, down the line, you know, you had populists and progressives, um, candidates standing up for farmers' rights and labor rights. Those were all third parties yep. throughout the 1880s and 1890s, and eventually they got absorbed into the Democratic platform by the 1920s, and a lot of those policies got put in place by FDR in the 1930s. So don't forget, at one point, the Republican Party was a third party. Yes. The Democratic Party was similar. Yes. And all of these things... Eugene you know, Debs ran as a socialist many times, and those were his policies that eventually got absorbed into the Democratic platform. Yeah. So don't let them think that uh, just because our political process is dominated by two political parties, that that's the way it's always been, and that's the only way it has to be, because it really does not have to be that way. And the democracy, its it reminds me a little bit of the internet, where everyone's... The internet for most people is Google. Right. Sure. The but internet's vast. Yeah, but it, Google so, is a search engine. Exactly. A tiny piece of a... Yeah. Yes. And the Republicans and Democrats are just part of what is supposed to be a much larger political field. Yes. But they have co-opted all of the power. And again, they do that uh, much as we saw with Cuomo when the working party family went against, or the working... Uh, families party. Yeah, families party went against him. They said, well, sorry, we're going to make it impossible for you to get ballot access. Right. And this is a perfect segue into how Ben won his reform party primary because uh absolutely correct what you were saying you know talk about the republicans jumping in and trying to get involved the reform party again had always been that rubber stamp for the republicans and and what curtis lee won frank morano were trying to do with it at the time i believe since then reform party has actually lost ballot access yes. after 2018 but we had the republicans literally jumping into our primary they were being so like, pissed. no way we're not gonna let this lefty take the reform party banner so this was actually, and only, the only thing that makes me a lefty is that like I want weed and like for people to be able to live. Yeah. And you believe in mm. public transportation being, uh, you know, not shut down. Yeah. <laughs> so that was good. So let's check this out. This is how um, Ben mentioned it. Spoiler alert. He did win the primary, but this is kind of how it all went down. All right. So we just voted and uh, we're sending a message to the Republican Party. The Reform Party is no longer a rubber stamp. Uh, we got young we got young voices in politics coming through criminal justice reform, legalization of marijuana, vocational education. This is it. We're actually doing it. We're on the ballot. Um, and it's, uh, it's an awesome experience. Well, tonight we're going to do our Adult Swim uh, live stream as we do every Tuesday on AdultSwim.com. We're having the election party. Uh, it's going to be absolutely massive. It's Henry Zabrowski's mandate, so God knows what his videos are going to be. <laughs> and uh, he'll probably crash the entire campaign before he even really gets going. Here we go. This is election oh, night. Primary left, election night. Political edition. Oh. Happy primaries. The, the, the next Brooklyn Borough President, Ben Kissel, coming at you live. Henry, it's technically your mandate, but you know it what is. the mandate is today? Freedom. What I wanted to happen during the primaries <laughs> is I wanted him to be able to run in the election because that was the only way he would be able to shut up about it. But it's my mandate. <laughs> That's one thing we'll make clear. But also, Kissel's waiting on the live numbers to come in from his Woo! his primary for Brooklyn oh Borough president. Um, so Henry's tonight, about to either way, is going to yeah. be a fucking we all were. catastrophe. He's pretty you know, I found out that it was like primary night. Like I didn't know what the hell was going to happen. Do we have any more results? Well, our campaign manager, Travis, is talking to other Travis. It looks like we do have some results. Are they Travis's I, face? I did not do know. Not, it does not look good. We won. <laughs> we won! Yeah! Yes! Do we have the national anthem? What are the numbers? 80% to 20%. Hail yourselves! We crushed them. 30 seconds. Here, ladies and gentlemen. One minute and a half left. That's right. Marcus wanted his Alex Jones moment. Yes, he did. Caught the champagne. He even does the bubbly, bubbly. Truman beat Dewey. <laughs> so stupid. A lot of the rape no thing. No was spilled when my MUFON Polo arrived. I will say that. This is powerful. Hey, I want to thank Mike Astro, Deputy Campaign Manager, Travis Irvine, our Campaign Manager, and Marcus Marks, and Henry Zabrowski for bearing with the campaign. I'm, fucking, I'm very proud of you, Kissel. This is fucking great. 
Thank this you is so really, much. really now, great. You if I did it, you can do it. Get involved in local politics and make a difference. We're going against the Republicans and the Democrats. We've got a strong message, fiscal responsibility, criminal justice reform, reforming the MTA, and legalizing marijuana. We're going to do it. That's huge. It's huge. We're going to do it. All right. There we go. That wow. brings me back to some fond memories of doing the stream with the boys. And uh, again, um, you know, it's not just you that runs for office. It's you and all of your friends and your family. Yes. And your supporters. I mean, that was a huge primary win. I forgot that we crushed him 80 to 20%. Yeah. And I believe we increased the reform party turnout by like a thousand percent. Yes. Because it was all your fans showing up to vote for you. And I want to thank everyone who did show up to vote and uh, who told their parents to vote and all of those things. Again, when you get out and be active, you will be surprised with how many people um, are encouraged by what you're doing. So let's talk a little bit more about running for office and just kind of the the feeling of knowing that you're making a difference and just kind of how that shaped our 2017. And for me, how that really helped deal with the stress of, you know, a new president, a dude who's fucking tweeting every day, right. a guy who was just like, oh, we're just going to call people rocket man. We're just going to like, <laughs> I mean, you, no, no one knew every morning you woke up. It was an abusive relationship yeah. because you're like, what's it going to, is he going to be, is he coming home drunk tonight or do we have nice daddy at home? And then of course his sycophants were so disgusting and, and, uh, you know, the, the bathing in liberal tears, all of this horse shit. I have no idea. The schadenfreude and the disgusting nature of American politics. I don't understand what broke people so badly. <laughs> yes. But when it came to just dealing with the stress of a new administration, the uncertainty that we had ahead of us as a country, there was something very comforting about being able to run and have a reason to talk with people at parades, at festivals. We went to the old, uh, the retirement uh, you know, home. To talk to those people, it actually really made me feel optimistic for the future of the country. Oh, yeah. I mean, running for local office, you know, you, you've said it uh, the best, not just in the documentary. Hail Yourself America at hailyourselfamerica.com if you want to check out the rest of it. We're very proud of it. It's just a fun 40-minute tale of how you two can run for office based yes. on what Ben did. Um, but, you know, you, when you got out there, you had a nice thing that you would say is, like, the more you talk to people the more you realize they're a whole heck of a lot like you yes. and especially New Yorkers, you know, whatever, that's the sad thing for me, especially about federal politics, right? Everyone's got their eye on Trump or they got their eye on Biden. And it's like, well, you know what? At the end of the day, they're not the ones collecting the recycling from your neighborhood or making right. the zoning yes. laws for who can have a doorknob and who needs, you know, it's yes. just that basic stuff. When you really do do the, the door to door, you know, the legwork that you were doing at places like the mermaid parade mm-hmm, and the mm-hmm. third street festival um you know once you actually get out there and talk to people it's like actually they just don't want their quality of life diminished by your horrible ideas yes there you go (laughs) you know every politician needs to look inside of themselves and get their ego shrink down with a ray gun yes um because at the end of the day school streets transportation things that are communally shared Things that every single mm-hmm. person wants yeah. are very basic. They don't need a lot from you. They just need you to stay out of their way and pave the damn roads. <laughs> right. Well, in fact, transportation, that is, um, while we were out running for office, out running, talking to people, um, Curtis Sliwa obviously um, had some great ideas for us. And he was the one who, as I recall, in addition to everyone else we were talking to, talking about this L-train shutdown that in 2017 was like looming over Brooklyn. The apocalypse. The apocalypse is what and we eventually called it. Just to give that a little nut, little nut egg. Yeah. <laughs> a little nutshell on uh-huh. what happened. Obviously, Hurricane Sandy devastated the MTA, devastated the subway system in New York. Mm-hmm. So the L-train was one of the, um, not the last trains. It certainly wasn't the first station they started to work on. But again, the thing Thing that made this very significant it was the only train from williamsburg bushwick that area of brooklyn that goes into manhattan and we have eight hundred thousand people um working in manhattan that live in that area yes in that borough they would have been totally decimated if that train went down so because they were going to start working on it and because the mta is in constant political flux in new york because the mayor says he controls it, then the governor says he controls it, and it turns out neither of them care. Right. So it was devastating. Yes. And their initial plan was just straight up 24-7, 365, shut the L train down for well over a year. 
our idea was work on the damn thing at night. If it's not safe enough to ride now, we've been riding it for five years. Yes. So right. it was just work on it at night, get this done, but you can't destabilize people like that. And so that was our major concern. And that was inevitably what the state and city ended up doing was work on the damn L train at night, shut it down at the weekends, but people got to get to work. Yeah. In fact, um, this last clip I'd love to play from Hail Yourself America outlines how we discovered that L train issue. And again, uh, as a Brooklyn Borough president, again, you were running against a man named Eric Adams, who is now probably uh, going to be the next mayor of New York City. Very the Democratic, But how cool candidate. is that? So we know the Republican candidate and Curtis, Curtis Lee, and, we well, know, and we know Eric Adams. Eric Adams, because we ran against him. Again, it's this weird thing that Ben's 2017 race for Brooklyn Borough president has become a precursor to the current New York mayoral race. We were part of a proxy war. We were part of a proxy I'll war. And we it. didn't even know it. Isn't that fun? We're like Kuwait. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's play this clip. In the general election, to be honest, I really didn't know what to expect. Uh, the election for Brooklyn Borough President got almost no media attention. There were no debates that I'm aware <laughs> of. There was very little uh, editorial coverage in even the Brooklyn newspapers. So the voters of Brooklyn never really got a chance to evaluate the candidates or the race on its own merit. So we wanted to have an issue that kind of stood out and an issue that we didn't hear other politicians talking about. because. As I was talking to people uh, on the streets, transportation was high on their list. Curtis basically realized that people were incredibly ticked off about the forthcoming shutdown of the L train that was going to disrupt the commutes for tens of thousands, maybe even 100,000 Brooklyn residents. It's one of the busiest lines in the city, and the proposal was to shut it down for 18 months entirely. Yeah, my quantum I, you know what that means. <laughs> Times that by don't. two, it'll probably be three years <laughs> no and cost us billions of dollars <laughs> so we can repair the tunnel from all the uh, Hurricane Sandy damage. So I would go around, I would talk to small businesses, restaurant owners, bar owners, jewelry shop owners, you name it. And I said, what's mm -hmm. one of the biggest issues you feel facing your business right now? And they said the L train shutdown. Voters were ticked off about it and the, the discontent was palpable, and we were hoping to utilize Ben's candidacy as a mechanism for channeling that outer borough populist angst. Yep, and so I did have a chance to talk to many small businesses, transportation was huge, and then obviously rent. You know, I, I, was t I spoke with the owner of a place called Extra Fancy, a fantastic uh, place in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. They had good lobster, but inevitably they had to stop serving that because it got too expensive, and just, it was busy. It was packed. I spoke to the owner. I was like, how's it going? You guys making ends meet? He devastated. He had to move. Uh, they had to go to Long Island City. Mm -hmm. um, and this biz, like, there's something wrong with the system. If your restaurant's busy, the food is good, the wait staff is treated well, you got good bartenders, you're a good owner, and you still can't make ends meet, that's not your fault. That's right. something wrong with policy. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing as Brooklyn Borough President, again, you were an advocate, right? Absolutely. Um, Eric Adams was silent. You know, I, I almost wonder if this issue will come up in the, the mayoral debates, if there are any. But yeah, if there as, are any. As Brooklyn Borough President, we had multiple issues to attack Eric Adams for, not just being silent on the L train issue where, he, again, he didn't take a side because he didn't seem to want to wedge himself in between the well, mayor. Well, he didn't and care Albany. about Williamsburg. Yeah, well, there mm. you go. Exactly. I mean, he was more of a uh, a Borough Hall type of guy. He was down there in well, South former Brooklyn. cop, you know, yeah. Ex absolutely. And, of course, there were several other issues with how the office was run. It was a $5.8 million office. It didn't do anything. There were people getting jobs. There were, like, four chauffeurs. I think you were like, I will take the train. You know, there's just multiple things you yeah. can hit these lifetime politicians on. And most most of it just it comes down to actually caring about the constituents. And, you know, your job as someone who is running for political office, obviously you have your own ideas, yes, but you can't go in frozen. You have to absorb as well. What do the people want? What are the people telling you? And then from there, you know, you talk about how, how does a politician gain success? It's because they listen to people. They have their own ideas. You combine those things. And people will naturally get on board. And that is a very good point. You know, we came in with our certain issues about criminal justice reform. I think vocational education was a big one. But as we listened to yep. people, as we listened to our reform party advisors, the L train came the best issue to talk about. And ultimately, your campaign highlighted what was wrong with it and ultimately 
they ended up fixing it. They Absolutely. ended up following so our solutions. We take great pride in, in at least being a, a voice in a positive direction when it comes to making sure that the L train um, stayed available for the hardworking class people of Brooklyn. And sometimes that's all it takes to make a local campaign a success. If you were the right, if you were right and you can look back and say, I was right. And people ended up doing what you said to do. That's a huge win. And when I ran for mayor of Bexley back in 2007, I ended up getting uh, my neighborhood rezoned. I saved my parents' house. I saved my neighbor's house. And they also built the police station eco-friendly. It was like a green building, which was oh, another wow. idea I That's had hilarious. in the course of the debate. That's great. So you can have an impact. It's yeah. really all politics is local. And as scary as it seems, please get involved. We need Absolutely. you all we more than you. ever. Fernando? You know, I want to add that it doesn't just have to start in, uh, say, your city. You can say you, you, I doubt many high school listeners are listening, but say you're in Maybe. college, you can start locally. I was an engineer, I was an engineering senator in college. It was Ooh, one of the greatest experiences great. I had. Yes. Um, it's the same kind of thing. You start campaigning, you start talking to people, yeah. you get involved, you find the issues that they care about and that's what you campaign on if that's what you agree with. what was um, an issue that the engineering students cared about uh mostly funding you know yeah, a lot of, of course uh, obviously a lot of money goes to different organizations in college and uh, we just happen to not get too much of it yeah so. there's a bit of a situation going yeah. on right now with, oh, yeah. uh, with the collegiate world uh, ncaa and so on there's a lot of money, a lot of money going in, and I don't know if it's going in the right spots. Exactly, and that's something that you can affect directly. Allocation by of funds. By involving yourself in the politics of your school, of your college. Absolutely. Um, as a green card holder, you know, I feel like I'm cut off because I can't vote. Right. But there's a lot of things that I can do. For example, and these are perfectly legal things because legally I can't vote, but I can, you know, help campaign. Yep. I can help and I can advocate for things that I am pro so yes. there's there's a lot of ways to get involved, even if say you you don't happen to be a citizen. Yeah, and my father's the same way. He's uh, he is a uh, resident. You know, he's only, if my mom ever leaves his ass, he's deported. He's back to oh, Germany. No. no, he can stay because he's been here long enough. Oh, has he? Yeah. Ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, say say for some reason you don't want to be involved in politics, there's still a lot of things that you can gain from this. The public speaking, for example. Sure. Say you want to start a podcast. That's one of the most important things that you're going to need to learn to do is learn to communicate oh, your it, ideas. It would clearly. be pretty important, yes. I think. Oh, yeah. Lord. Yeah. When I ran for mayor, I, I was surprised. You know, I had been doing comedy just in college and things like that. But the seven adults that I well, actually know, there's one 18 year old high school kid. <laughs> I, he was one of the only guys I beat in the election. Um, but these, you know, these are grown adults elected officials to city council and when it came to public speaking they didn't know when to put their hands where to stand up like right. should i stand up for my chair it was just little things like that and it makes a huge difference and coming from a comedy background going into a place where jokes aren't going to be looked yes. upon finally <laughs> right i was like how do i be so you learn how to be serious maybe or you yeah. learn how to you know present different opinions and it, it uh, having the stand-up base really helps yeah but if you go up and do, like do a tight five they'll be like Okay, uh, why right. are you here? <laughs> right, yes. Anyway, Well, thank you all so much for listening to this special episode of Abe Lincoln's Top Hat. I hope it uh, encouraged some of you to get involved or all of you to get involved. You don't have to be the candidate. You can be the campaign manager, run the finances, unbelievably important job. Right. Hang a yard sign if you know someone that you like, whatever it is. If you got a camera, shoot a documentary about your friends running for office. That's yeah. what we did with American Mayor. That's what we did with Hail Yourself America. It gave us another bonus mm. element to give to people down the line. Because energy is really, you know, palpable in politics. And, you know, again, hearkening back to bloviated fat orange bitch, um, <laughs> the energy was real and the energy is still real. Right. And that's something that we can harness and remember like we can use this energy and actually transfer it for good right we're not going to use all this energy and have people go tear down a uh the capital um <laughs> again if you would have just redirected those assholes on january 6th to a ted nugent concert none of this would have happened and everyone would have been way happier oh. way happier <laughs> way now happier. of course all those people are in jail because they followed the wrong man so you are the right man or the right lady for the job and uh, just keep on getting involved and uh yeah I guess that's about it for this little little special episode. Thank you all so much for supporting the show. So we are going twice a week. We will be doing the show twice a week uh, from here on out, um, starting, I believe, the week of August 12th. I think it's August 12th that week. We're going to start doing twice a week just because there's so much to talk about. And after every show, we're like, 
the we another missed, yeah. another thing broke. And we're like, ah! <laughs> it's just tough uh, when it comes to the podcasting game. That's kind of the the only issue that we have is that like sometimes you're like, nah, could have used that five minutes ago. <laughs> um, all right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you're doing well out there. Hail yourselves. We'll talk to you soon. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com.